Um, but I would rather, again, the same thing that you're trying to do is people that meet me already understand my value system, understand what I stand for, hopefully like me and trust me as a person. And that way, by the time we ever do business together, you already know me. And I, yeah. I, would, I would like that to be the case. Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. All right, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm stoked today. I have uh, a guy with me that has become a new friend, I will say. We've known each other for a little while uh, through social media, recently find it, finally had the chance to interact together in person, and little by little, just kind of inching into each other's worlds, uh, learning about each other. And so what you guys are going to hear today uh, is going to be just more of, I think, uh, us learning about each other and our relationship developed right here live. Uh, but in the context of what we've been talking about, you know, over this last season, which really is this idea of manhood. What does it mean? How does that then inform how we're living our lives as husbands, as fathers, as leaders in the community? Uh, and so I'm pumped to be able to have that conversation today with Spencer Smith. Uh, Spencer is in the employee benefits world, works for a third party administrator. And we may or may not talk about that to some some degree. It's um, all right. But, um, but, you know, he great dude. He's a husband. He's a father. And really one of his posts recently on LinkedIn, I was just telling him this offline. Um, I knew he was a guy that I would love to have on the podcast, but then I saw a specific post that he shared about his daughter, which we'll dig into, I think. Um, and that was kind of the final thing. Uh, but that big, long, uh, generalized introduction <laughs> is for Spencer. So Spencer, thanks, man. Appreciate you being here. Ryan, I really appreciate you. Appreciate the introduction, and obviously appreciate the opportunity to, you know, be a guest instead of necessarily the host of my own show. It's always fun uh, to talk to folks that have been doing this for a number of years, uh, folks like you that are very successful as well, and have your own identity and brand. And I'm hopeful that I'll, I'll be a, a worthwhile guest for your your audience. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm 100% confident to it. And I usually save some of this stuff for the end, but I, I will say now that I think Spencer's one of those guys that is, regardless of the business that you're in, especially if you're on a, a LinkedIn uh, for any kind of business at all, he's a great guy to follow. He does have his own podcast called Self-Funding with Spencer. Um, it's a wonderfully done and produced uh, podcast that he shoots video uh, for as well. And uh, so I just think that, you know, that he'd be somebody uh, great for you guys to connect with. So you can go find him on LinkedIn. We'll put his contact information into the show notes. I'll remind you of that again at the end. Um, so I just wanted to plug your podcast because I do. I think that, you know, it, it's interesting. Some people were talking self-funding and people are like, what the hell is that? Um, but I think that you've taken that idea and just turned it into such great conversations. So I, I think that, you know, it, it's a, a well worth follow for so many people. Well, and I appreciate that, Ryan. And I, obviously I started with a niche, you know, tried to land and then expand kind of like you're doing with the show in season two. Um, self-funded with Spencer is obviously the core is the conversation around self-funded insurance, but I've tried to kind of move out in concentric circles to talk more healthcare and health insurance. And, and even just like you're doing right here is, is, um, give a platform for a human being to tell their story and talk and get to know them. And yeah. then hopefully that person becomes interesting to some people that will reach out for business directly. But at the end of the day, it's a human being that you're interested in talking to and the stories that they have to tell. Yeah, that's no, so good. That's so good. Okay. 
First question, been kicking it off um, pretty much every episode so far this season with this question. And so for you, it's the same, Spencer. So how would you define manhood and or masculinity? Oh, that's a phenomenal and, question. Yeah. And everything's on the table. Some people are like, I don't know if I should say that. Right. Like you, you get to say whatever you want right here. Right. This is 100 percent yours. Well, uh, for me, you know, I think manhood first started with uh, the example that my father set, um, you know, yeah. some of the things he did to provide for the family. He, ha- he has a construction business that he started from scratch. And so I remember him being uh, coming home when I was a young kid, just dirty, filthy, sweaty, mm-hmm worn out, you know, and and for me, I'm going as a young kid, my dad's willing to put that level of effort in on a daily basis in order to help provide for the family. So for, you know, the beginning of that starts there, but I think I've tried to embody some of those, you know, characteristics, the hard work, the ethic, the leadership, um, you know, wanting to really be conscientious. And this has happened lately as I've become a father is actually conveying my feelings and love towards my children, actually telling them that on a regular basis, because I feel like that's something that as men, we struggle to do sometimes is actually mm-hmm. convey our emotions of how we feel about our wives and our daughters, our friends even. Um, so being more purposeful of actually communicating that to them has been something that I've, I've sought to embody as I grow into being a, a father and, and a man myself. I, I love that. Okay, so uh, y- you talked about kind of first having this impression uh, from your dad and, and the way that he raised you and and how you saw him mm-hmm. uh, lead you guys, care for you guys, support you guys. Um, so construction guy, dirty hands. So we're thinking, you know, like the, the tough, strong, you know, kind of guy. Did he exercise or demonstrate that emotional side to you guys as well? He did, but to a degree. I think he grew up in a pretty, um, you know, hard world. He was on a, a potato farm in Maine. I mean, he, wow. you know, a hard life, right? Cold, frigid, tough life. And so I think obviously some of those things in the environment he grew up with and, you know, maybe didn't prepare him the same way that I'm hopefully trying to prepare my children to have that level of communication. I knew his love for me. He was always mm. at soccer games, always supported me. As I've gotten older, we talk, I think, even more in depth about life and leadership and fatherhood. Um, but I just wanted to be a little more purposeful on the front end. But I think one of the interesting things, and I know you probably experienced this yourself as a father, is when you become a father yourself, you start to see your parents as human beings a little bit more mm. and not necessarily, oh, this is a perfect person that knows everything about the world. <laughs> no, you go, oh, this is a human with flaws and warts and challenges that they have themselves. And so as we grow with them, I learn from mistakes. I learn from some of the values that they represented to me and just trying to do my best to, uh, you know, as we, I think we think generations, right? And we think about our kids and our grandkids, if I can do a little bit better than my parents and then teach my kids a little bit better than me, you know, our legacy will grow out of that as well. Yeah. 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 No, that's super interesting. And I, I like the way that you said, you know, you always knew though it, it wasn't necessarily communicated to you and maybe the same way that you're doing it now with your kids. And uh, so uh, I grew up and I, I've shared before in the podcast, like I, I had a, a challenging relationship with my dad a couple of different times in life. My dad uh, went when he was around and available, uh, he was showing up for all my stuff. Uh, what was so interesting to me was my dad was, so my dad was a cop uh, for a portion of his life. He, my dad was very strict, very heavy handed. Um, and so I don't really remember much of, though I knew my dad loved me. He sometimes had interesting ways of showing it. I never really saw the emotional side of my dad that much. Later in life, 
my dad is one of, which is where I get, I'm a very emotional person. Like it doesn't take me much to get tear to tear up and cry. And my dad is very much the same way. And so maybe part of that is like old age has broken some of that hard exterior, but it's just so interesting how over time. And I guess, again, I think maybe it's as we grow up and we see it, they kind of see how they raised us and maybe even continuing to make some changes. Like he's just become so much more emotional and you're right. I mean, that is, this is something we talk about so much emotion and manhood aren't talked about as though they are compatible things, right? It's like real men don't show emotion. So it's just, it's such a hard thing for us to kind of learn how to do, to learn how to exercise. So did you, as you grew up, uh, previous to becoming a dad, once you became a dad, were, were there certain places that you went to start learning how to deal with, to express, to get better at those things? You know, I think uh, it's a blessing and a curse, but I've always been a pretty analytical person. So I, I'm just, I observe, I watch, I evaluate. I try to even observe myself, you know, and mm. be objective about my reactions. So some of it is just um, I, I'm trial and error, right? Just figuring mm. out as I go who I want to be and some of the things that I do that I like or dislike about myself. You know, I think this is, um, I used to do stand-up uh, back in the day, stand-up comedy, and you learn that people that really find their footing on stage have found their voice and find their voice is not like, oh, I added new jokes and new material and punched it up. It's more of what did you strip away that wasn't really you to be representative of yourself in the fullest fashion. So that's what I'm trying to figure out is maybe more so what are the things that I can strip away from my personality that I don't like? Um, you know, uh, quick to being angry or just you know not knowing how to vocalize my feelings, things like that. You know, what are the things that I can remove away in order to like like a, a piece of uh, marble being molded into a perfect statue eventually. What are the things that I can strip away from myself to be better? So that's what I, I'm just a, I'm, I'm cursed like you that I might think way too much too, too often, <laughs> um, but it's that analytical nature has helped me, I think, and served me well in my life. Okay, so that that's fascinating. I, I think that I had heard through somebody else that you did stand-up comedy for, for, for some time. And so, you said that that practice of stripping away, that was something that you learned there? Yeah. So um, early on in your uh, comic careers, you're writing jokes, you think more, 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 I can add more and be funnier, funnier. And then you realize like a lot of the humor or the impact is in between the lines or, you know, the, the pacing of your delivery and what you can remove from a joke mm -hmm. that actually makes it better. So I think that has an obvious uh, connection point with ourselves. You know, I think really, if you look at the basic level of what standup is, it is being yourself on stage and very vulnerable in front of strangers. Um, mm. So I think there's obvious overlap in that medium and just living your life in general. God, I mean, that, that, that had to be really difficult to lay yourself bare in mm. front of people. It just, I mean, to do that in any environment is so difficult, right? Yeah. So it, it's already hard to kind of just open yourself up and allow people to see you for who you really are. But then on top of that, you're trying to practice a craft. Mm -hmm. and, and so like, how was that? Like, how was that journey for you of like, I just, I, I need to be myself and I'm trying to get good at this and you probably weren't always good at it. So like, how did yeah. that 
Yeah, how'd that happen? You know, honestly, it was a struggle, but it was the right type of struggle for me. It was an intellectual struggle, but it also was, you know, a little bit of a psychological, emotional. Um, as you're trying to craft whatever your form of comedy is. And I think I, I was five years into it before I, I, I set it aside for uh, career purposes, marriage, kids, things like that. But you know, you're really only, even five years in, you're only scratching the surface. So I don't really know who I was on stage. I was still just, you know, just trying to figure it out. And you, you know, early on you try to perhaps somewhat emulate the people that you enjoy, and then you maybe try to write jokes that you believe the audience will, will laugh at, but not necessarily what you want to say. So I left the medium before I got to the point that I think I actually was able to convey my message, exactly how I wanted to say it. That's good. <clears throat> okay, so you, you, you grow up, you're, you're raised in a, you know, in, in a pretty good environment. So you, you've learned some things for your father or from your father. At some point you decide you're going to get married uh, and then you eventually have kids. What was, what was the community like at that point for you? Did you have a group of guys around you, a guy around you that was super supportive, that was there to hold you accountable? Like, was that environment there for you? It was. I've got some friends that, you know, I've stayed in touch with a couple of buddies that I've even I've known since like junior high that we still mm. stay in touch. And so we were going through the same stages of life as one another. Um, even one of my best friends who lives out in your neck of the woods in San Diego. Um, I think our children were weeks apart, uh, our first wow. children. So we were, I had the opportunity to really just kind of communicate with him some of the concerns and fears and anxiety and then hope and obviously optimism and all those things. You know, the emotional spectrum that you go through as a, uh, a dad-to-be is all mm. over the map. And so fortunately, I've got some really solid friends um, that have good heads on their shoulders, you know. And so we kind of went through the same moments at the same time. It could balance these things off one another. That that's super interesting to me because um, I what I find is is that more often than not uh, men fall into two categories as it relates to friendship, either none whatsoever um, or or very few, like you know they're just very very surface level kind of acquaintance type of things, or they do have those long standing relationships. Like I I, I have a couple of friends that uh, one of my buddies we've been friends since we were about eighteen months two years old. So well, wow. well over 40 years, crazy. Um, but even in those, and I guess this is what, why this stands out to me so much that you said that even in most of those, when, when you grow up with the same guys, you become so comfortable that oftentimes you don't dig in below the surface. Mm. Things still say very surface level. So was that something that you guys forged in your friendship for long periods of time? Or when you finally became like real men or, like, you know, adults of some age, you're like, Hey, like, you know, these are the things that we need to be really supportive of each other in and call each other out on, or was it just always there? Well, and I think, I think you're absolutely right, Ryan. And that's a good way to kind of um, evaluate the processes. I have some friends that still maintain a relatively surface level Hey, we've known each other so well, we just basically rip on each other all the time. And there is not any depth to the conversation, but it's, you know, that's also an outlet for us as men is just to joke around and have fun and blow off steam. Um, but then the, the gentleman I was talking about, Joe uh, Roberts out in your area, he, he and I have the deepest conversations that I have in my life. And there's another friend of mine who's a Marine that's stationed overseas. And that is, that, that guy is 
I mean, you talk about a warrior that's also a philosopher and the most well-read person I know. And if I want to have absolutely the deepest conversations about the meaning of life, you know, I can call him and we'll get into an hour and a half of just us talking. And it's, it's, it's beautiful to be able to have the friends like that in my life that I can really share some of the hardest moments I'm going through or mm -hmm. things I'm struggling with. And there's no judgment. There's no, you know, not even necessarily wanting to tell me what to do or vice versa. It's like, hey, let's talk this through together. I understand. And let's work it through together and maybe come up with some sort of, uh, you know, solution to this problem or things like that. So I've been very fortunate to have some great people in my life mm -hmm. and I hope they uh, think the same about me. <laughs> we, we, we definitely do. We want it to go both ways. Uh, were though, were there those moments though, where somebody really did just have to tell you and, and maybe there weren't, but that like, no way you're going about this absolutely the wrong way. You need to turn from what you're doing. Or if you go in that direction, that's going to create catastrophe. Did you have those moments or have you had those moments on that journey? I think that's more my wife most of the time telling me <laughs> what not to do or, you know, but she's uh, you know, it's funny though. We it's talk good. obviously about the subject of manhood. Right. But then there's the, the inverse of that in our relationship with our wives. And, mm -hmm. you know, she's a very good um, barometer in my life of, of some of the decisions and also a great motivator for me as well. You know, she's, mm -hmm. She is very good at keeping me not only on the path, but challenging me too to go, all right, don't get complacent or, hey, what are you doing? Like, is this useful for you? Are, are we doing the things that we hope to accomplish? She's, she's really my coach behind me, if you will. Like, yeah. you know, and so it's, it's, I'm absolutely blessed to have a woman in my life like her. And so I think she has, she checks me probably more than anybody does in my life for sure. So good. I, I feel you. My, my wife has not only earned that right, but absolutely deserves the right. And she does it. And she's so yes. great. I mean, what I've been so appreciative of is she's the first person to call me on my bullshit. And mm -hmm. at the same time, she is the first person to, to stand there and say, I 100% support you. I trust in your decision mm -hmm. and whatever you do, I'm right there with you. And so I love to have that balance. Yeah, it's the ride or die, uh, you know, mentality. And I, I think my, I have that with my wife. And so I have hard conversations with my friends, but also I think that's where I was going to say a lot of times we're more supportive in nature. I mean, if somebody's doing something obviously stupid, like, you know, friends that might have substance uh, abuse problems that you see on the surface or manifesting, then of course we call them out for things like that. And somebody would do the same for me. But I've always just tried to make good decisions in my life, man. And I think, I don't know if you saw the post I made a couple weeks ago about understanding the psychology of you know, great men that perhaps have a fall from grace or ruin their lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I recognize that from the outside in and going, all right, how do I prevent that uh, from mm -hmm. being me? You know, what, how do I stay on the path that's going to ensure that that is not, you know, a, a moment in my life that I experience as well? And so I think it's just, again, being that analyst, dude, that I can't, I can't ever set aside that part of my personality. Yeah, I, I I love, love, love that because for me, I've had plenty of uh, tragic falls from grace. Uh, and now I'm not only super clear, uh, as self-aware as possible about what would do it to me again, but like part of the reason people always ask me like, what, what is be authentic? Like, why, why do you say that so much? Why do you talk about authenticity? And one side of it is definitely because I want to give other people permission to be like, as you said, just strip all that shit away and just truly be 
the person that they've been created to be. But the other part of it is very selfish. And people don't typically hear me talk about the side of it, but I want to be so transparent with my life that I have a worldwide system of accountability. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, in the business world, right. And, and like, let's just take a platform like LinkedIn specifically, uh, even though people are sharing more personal stuff now, but you know, you can be the most together professional, successful, dialed-in leader in the business community and be praised for it all over the place. And then at home, you are just a complete monster or you're absent from your family. And I don't want to give myself the opportunity to fall into something like that. And so therefore, I just let it all be out there. It's like, here's the good, here's the bad, here's everything in between. You know, I want you to see me for who I am. So that way I don't have a crevice to crawl into and do something really stupid that's going to derail my life. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I think you're, you're absolutely on the mark there. I, I remember recording myself a voice note like a, a week or two ago about my hope is that if somebody meets me in person, whatever I've portrayed online, that those mm. two things intersect and they don't have a surprise. Like you're not like what I expected. So being you, you're you're being authentic or being radically radically authentic or whatever you want to call it is actually just being again being yourself, being honest with folks, and then that way you don't ever have this. You know, you don't have to answer to anybody if they meet you in in the real world and go well. Dude, everything you put online was bullshit. Like, why are you yeah. not like that at all? You just cherry picked your life to show what you wanted to show. And that has been done. There's Instagram for that and there's TikTok for that. <laughs> um, but I would rather, again, the same thing that you're trying to do is people that meet me already understand my value system, understand what I stand for, hopefully like me and trust me as a person. And that way, by the time we ever do business together, you already know me. And I, yeah. I, would, I would like that to be the case. Which, you know... I, I try to stay away from like, you know, business one-on-one lessons as much as possible <laughs> yeah, here. But yeah. I think that that is such a critical thing that to this day, it blows me away how much it's missed hmm. people. I don't think in the, we'll call it sales world, almost everybody's in sales to some capacity or another, but I don't think that people really spend the time understanding who they are portraying that person to other people and just trusting that they're going to attract the right people back to them that are going to be the best business partners. Like they, they want to put themselves out there, but they still want to fit into a lot of spots that maybe they shouldn't be in, you know, working with people that they don't really need to chasing people that aren't attracted to them anyway. I just think it's such an overlooked thing. Um, you know, e even though more and more people are putting themselves out there. Yeah, I think so too, right? And you know, there's a performative nature to what we post online, and obviously, you do curate it to a degree. Yeah. Uh, but I, I appreciate the fact that you do share things that aren't necessarily in the brightest light of your life because there's a lesson that underlies that. But I think some people do do um, seek to sort of emulate or try to copy some of the you know approaches that other people have taken, and it's not them, right? And you, mm -hmm. you see that pretty quickly that it's not them, and that also is you know, just early on, a little bit of a learning curve. So we all bring some sort of naivety to a medium that we don't understand yet. And so I think some of the folks that are trying to do that and, and aren't necessarily representing themselves, they'll figure it out. Um, yeah, yeah. Or the market will tell them, uh, you know, pretty clearly that they should be just be themselves. Yeah. Well, it, it, and that kind of brings me to at least what was 
I'll say the final catalyst for this conversation. Okay. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think that I, I was thinking that this would be a great discussion previously, but you know, when you shared what you did uh, on LinkedIn recently about your daughter going to the dance with your daughter or a date with your daughter, yeah, daddy daughter date, yep. yeah, daddy daughter date, and um, a couple of things that, that that stand out. First of all, is like I, I love the fact that those types of posts get so much engagement. So it's like so many people relate to it. But I think one of the things that I appreciated the most was you didn't try to turn it into like some business analogy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. For real. You know, yeah. Normally again, you know, online, social media, whatever, and especially LinkedIn, because you know, people, we need to do business there. That's what we're there for. Um, but everybody tries to create a business analogy out of just talking about their life. And I love the fact that you just said it like it was, and you just shared from your heart and, and you saw the response. And I, and again, it's almost like I kind of wish more people were willing to, you know, to just open up. So when you, this is a weird question and I, I don't even know how you answer it, but I'm interested to hear <laughs> All right. like when, when you, when you think to share mm -hmm. a post about daddy daughter date on a platform that is at least intentionally supposed to be hundred percent business. Mm -hmm. um, what, what's your goal? Well, um, there's a couple motivating factors there. I made a video earlier this year about the, the seven types of content that I've that I categories I post on LinkedIn. Oh, that's right. With some metrics about those, and the the number one was dispelling the notion that personal content is inappropriate for LinkedIn, and mm -hmm. so just showing it through the average engagement as well as just kind of dispelling the notion that it's all or nothing. So our personal lives and our home lives have intersected the last couple of years and there's been a blurring of the lines between those two. So why wouldn't somebody be interested in me as a father or you know a, a personal family post? But what I, what I intentionally do, Ryan, with those is that's the medium, right? The picture is the medium. There's a message underneath that medium that I wanna convey to people as a value system of mine. And so it's not just a post about me and my daughter and hopefully everybody thinks my daughter is cute. There's a message underneath that. And so when I think you combine those two things together, that's why it resonates. I haven't shared this with anybody, but that's my, my most popular post of all time on LinkedIn. It's up to like 27,000 views or something crazy like that. I've never had anything close to that. Mm -hmm. And so I think it speaks to this is what the market is saying and there's something there. And if at the end of the day people go, well, that Spencer guy seems like a good dad. I want to figure out what he does. Cool. Then that served his purpose and you don't need a call to action in that post at all. Then that was, I, I love that because that was the answer that I was hoping for more than anything it, it, for two reasons. First of all, you, you're not hiding the fact that you are trying to attract people to you to do business. Like sure. that's why we are there. You're not there to make friends. You're not there to have fun. You're not there for 27,000 views. You're there because you at the end of the day, you want to do business. And you know that if you share your values, that you're going to attract people to you that you'll align with, that hopefully you get the opportunity to do business with. So I loved that. I love that side of it. But then I also love the fact, so I mean, maybe this is kind of like, it overlaps into the other one, that you're very strategic about it too. And I think that again, that's something that's so important. You know, as we are 
investing our time into something, you're very mindful of what's going to work and why it's going to work. You didn't manipulate your story. You didn't say anything that wasn't true. You didn't, you know, stage some photo with your daughter. Just, you know, it was like, it, it, it was real, but you knew that that was part of your strategy in getting people to know you like you trust you and eventually, you know, do business together. So I think that's something that's so important for, you know, for people to consider is, are you, are you intentional in how you're sharing yourself with other people? Well, and I, it's, it's funny to juxtapose that with some other, I, I craft a lot of notes to myself, voice notes, memos on, on my phone. And I have a, a freedom of speech, uh, you know, one that I want to post at some point that I have gone over for months trying to just, have I nailed what I want to say? Mm. Well, the inverse of that is the post of the daddy daughter date, which just on a Saturday, got the picture, had a great time. And then I was sitting in coffee on Monday morning going, Oh, well, I had some thoughts about this. And within 20 minutes, I kind of crafted what I wanted to say. And it was almost on a whim. So you can have these posts that you think are just going to be amazing and you really <laughs> just this killer message. And then you have your posts about daddy daughter date that just, you know, demolish in terms of engagement, the ones that you really think are the best. So yeah. also it's just um, an openness to trial and error, man. And just, uh, you know, the figure out what works, figure out what doesn't work, but don't, even if you're not necessarily directly intentional about the why, mm-hmm. like at least pay attention to the outcome um, and adjust your strategy based on that. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's super good. All right. So uh, for all of you listening, you just got a wonderful business lesson in sales and marketing that you can take <laughs> away with you. So that, that was a bonus in the middle of this conversation. Um, okay. So, so back to uh, this trajectory of life and getting married. And I love the fact that you talk about, you know, I can definitely hear that you and your wife are partners in this, that, that you're stepping through this together, that you're, that you're for each other in this process, then comes a child. And, you know, now all of a sudden new responsibility, new opportunity. And so how do you view now your role with your daughter? Like what, what do you feel are the greatest priorities to you as you are raising this child? Well, and so also I, ha- I do, I don't want to uh, be remiss to not mention, I have a son, Sebastian, that's 18 months old as well. I, ha- I don't post about that's him. Right. That's right. That's right. More of a baby, right? But, um, um, you know, I think the role or my responsibility is not too dissimilar between the two as an example mm-hmm. of a person, as a man, as a father. You know, I think about it, though, the, the dynamics are a little bit different, right? For my, my daughter, right? I'm trying to set an example for a man that hopefully she's attracted to at one point mm-hmm. in the future of her life. For my son, I'm setting an example of hopefully the man that I want him to to be and also set him an example of the things that I hope that he improves on that I lack in my own life that he can do better than me because of or the things that I can teach him. So even though the dynamic between them is different, you know, I don't think I have to act differently around them, nor do I have to like... You know, I'm going to be this way to my daughter and then this way to my son. I think I'm just hopefully being stable for them, being a rock in their lives. And um, at the end of the day, if I live my life well, I believe that that will be um, what my job was as an example for them. Mm. Okay. Where, where do you think in the midst of there, you talked about, like you said something to the effect of like, you know, um, doing the best you can and then, you know, preventing, I don't know. A, a challenge or the struggle, where do you find it most difficult for you to really lean into this idea of, um, I've been called to be 
the husband to my wife, uh, the father to my children, Mm -hmm. uh, this man in the community, um, either in one of those areas or even inside of those areas, is there a specific area of life that you find it's most difficult for you to, to really lean into? Well, I think you, you might experience this yourself, Ryan, or probably as an entrepreneur, it's just the number of hours in the day don't necessarily equate to the number of hours I'd like to dedicate to everybody in my life and the responsibilities I have. Um, that's the toughest part, man, is, you know, like this morning, woke my, uh, my daughter up, kissed her goodbye, spent five minutes with her, but I had to get out the door. Didn't even get to see my son because he sleeps in. And so, um, you know, at best I might get two hours a night with him some nights just because of the level of effort I put into uh, my job. So that's the biggest thing that struggle to lean into is how do I balance everything that I need to give to everyone in my life um, and do it to the best of my ability, but knowing that there's only 24 hours in a day in order to accomplish all those things. I love that you bring that up. So I have a question then kind of to follow up on that. So um, I believe that um, we are required as men to be providers to our family. That doesn't always mean finances, though that's part of it. Mm -hmm. providing our time, providing our resources, providing ourselves to them. Um, I'm sure if I asked you, you know, what is the most important thing in your life, your wife and kids would come first. Mm -hmm. So how do you resolve? Because I, uh, um, I lived a period of life working so much and my justification was I'm doing this to provide for my family. Uh, the problem was, was financially I was providing for them, but I was never around for them. Yeah. So how, how do you, how do you step through and kind of uh, prioritize time, effort, energy, um, through different seasons of, I'm going to have to sacrifice a little bit of this for a little bit of that. Do you have a gauge for that? Do you have a plan for that? Is there something that you that kind of like a lens that you look through as it relates to that. Yeah, well, so I'm 39. I think you mentioned you were in your 40s. So I'm, I'm the pedal's still to the metal right now. And especially <laughs> with, with PlanSight, um, there's um, a potential liquidity event at some point in the future, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of just like head down, trying to build this thing as big as we possibly can. And so I do think there's a potential for the other side of that where I might have the freedom to pause. I mean, I think this is a lot what you talk about with the guys you work with is I would rather be free um, in my life necessarily than rich. I think there might be a decent balance of both of those things. Um, but I also know that, uh, you know, there's no guarantee of tomorrow. So just because I think, oh, in the future, three years from now, I'll be I'll be able to chill or, you know, maybe then I can relax. I think um, invariably that means that that's always going to get kicked down the road because there's only there's one more job I can do or there's, you know, let's get to this next financial goal, then I'll settle down. So the, yeah. the struggle for me is knowing when to pull back or knowing when to slow down um, because it's not always the financial aspect that's the most important thing that I can give. Absolutely, it's not, I would say. So yeah. that's, that's a personal struggle just of mine. Um, yeah. Yeah. You and me both, man. I mean, I, I still like, I mean, I, I boast right now and I'm very proud of the fact that, you know, 2021, I went to a 30 hour work week and, um, it's been phenomenal and I'm, Amazing. you know, I'm giving up a lot financially to do so. Uh, not starting my day until 10 AM means that my East coast clients don't get to work with me until one o'clock in the afternoon. You know, it's like, it, it, there's a lot of challenge there, but my wife and I had a lot of discussion around um, what we really wanted. And, and what was fascinating for us was like, 
there were some big things that we'd always talked about, but we never really had the strategic discussion. You know, it was like, okay, so uh, I'll be 44 at the end of this month. Uh, we're in March recording right now. Uh, so I'll be 44 at the end of the month. By 50, I've got some pretty big vision visions for what we want to do. And it wasn't until we sat down and talked about like, hey, this is what we're after. Mm-hmm. This is what it's going to take to get there. Do we want to, like you said, stake everything on 50? And so we're going to put our head down and go. Or do we want to have a good, clear vision for 50, be pretty confident that we can get there, but at the same time, make sure that we're taking enough of our foot off the gas to stop and smell the roses and enjoy the time because we almost lost our lives a couple of years ago. And it's like, you don't know, you know, in the blink of an eye when things happen. So do you, are you having those types of conversations uh, to one degree or another, but like, are you engaged in that type of discussion with your wife? Like, does she speak into Spencer, you're going a little too hard right now. We need to take a step back or I trust that you're doing the right thing. Full speed ahead. Does, does that discussion happen in the house? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's a little, it's a balance of both of those two things. I don't think either one of us had the answer either, right? Yeah. We're trying to figure this out as we go. Um, but, you know, I also firmly understand the opportunity that I have here at Plansight. And then obviously what the things that you and I are both doing tangentially to our businesses to help, to help them grow. Like I, I realize I'm kind of onto something there on the cusp of something there. So it's like, you never want to, you know, pump the brakes too too soon, right? And lose yeah. momentum. Um, and my wife, obviously, she has uh, goals and aspirations of what, you know, she would like to live lifestyle-wise, the security we could have, what we pass to our children. I'm the same way. Um, but you can't take that too far. So I'm just trying to figure out where that line is. And at the end of the day, um, if I feel like I've conveyed my love to my children adequately and they the example that I've set for them I, I'm happy with and I feel like the relationships that we have is strong. Um, I would love more time always with them, but maybe we find whatever that appropriate balance is. Yeah. Um, so all, all things can be served. But I mean, I t- to tell you the honest truth, Ryan, I don't freaking know. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's right. The, maybe that's my job. And that's our job as men too, is a little bit as to try to figure that out as we go, man. Um, and then use our power of discernment and Trust and I know you're a man of faith as well. Just you know, trust in the the mission and the purpose that we have, and not yeah. knowing all the answers is okay as well. Yeah, no, well, and I love, and this is this is a great place to to really kind of land the plane because, you know, when, when we started and I asked you about manhood and masculinity, you talked about your father and how you saw him, you know, going and grinding and out and working really hard. And though he maybe didn't verbalize it uh, completely, you always knew that he loved you. And so that was your impression. But then you said to follow that, that you were then going to improve upon that. It wasn't that he did anything wrong, but you were going to do it even better, right? You were going to add to what you learned. And here's what I hear <clears throat> as you've navigated through this whole discussion is you are doing a better job. You are more communicative probably to your wife and to your kids. And you are maybe a little bit more sensitive to investing time into them without taking your foot off the gas pedal because you know this is the season of life that you can do that in. So I just think it's a great testament to the fact that um, it was something that you valued and aspired to and really committed to. And I think that um, there are a few things that are, Uh, more manly than that, you know, like committing to our word. It's easy to say, you know, like bravado is something that is so uh, just 
out there in society as men, you know, it's like, we want to talk a big game and we do all these things, but you know, saying it and then backing it up and doing it is where the rubber really hits the road. And so I really appreciate the fact that you, even just over the course of 35 or 40 minutes, that thread has just been so clean. So it's just awesome to see. Well, I appreciate that. Sometimes, you know, just saying things out loud, really aloud helps you kind of, uh, turn into some clarity into your own thinking. And I appreciate your ability to foster that conversation. I think the one thing that I, I really uh, appreciated about my parents is that they've stayed together for mm. 35 some odd, actually, no, geez, it's 40 some odd years at this point now. That example, right, that commitment through thick and thin, um, not everybody is, is as fortunate to have that, that same mm. situation at home. And I mean, if anything they did right as a singular thing, it, uh, for my opinion, that was that. And so I hope that that's obviously the same impression that I give my children an example as well. That's so good, man. I, I think it's just so valuable. Well, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time, being here, <clears throat> having this conversation, getting to know you a little bit better. It's been super fun. And uh, I can only imagine that it's just going to get better from here. Well, likewise, and I appreciate you having me, Ryan. This was actually a lot, a lot of fun, man. And thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, no, absolutely. <clears throat> All right, guys. Well, you know the drill. You want to get a hold of Spencer. I teed him up at the very beginning because I thought it was valuable. And I'm just going to say that everything he said just reinforced why I teed him up in the beginning. So if you feel the same way, reach out to him, connect to him. We'll make sure to put his contact information in the show notes. Connect with him on LinkedIn. That is a great place. He shares a lot of content there. You'll learn a lot about his story. You can see the business that he's, businesses that he's involved in, what he's doing there. Uh, complaints, questions, concerns, thoughts, whatever you want you to send them my way. You know where to find me. In the meantime, be you, be happy, be authentic. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.